Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Hi, I'm Carl Litke, Wisconsin State Chapter of the National Wild Turkey Federation. Another great hour of Living the Outdoors is now on WSCO. From the Fast Sign Studios, more than fast, more than signs. It's Living the Outdoors with Mark Druitt, presented by Fleet Farm. Be part of the show by calling 281-1570 or 866-653-1570. Now, here's your host, Mark Druick. Greetings and welcome to Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Thanks for tuning us in tonight. Glad to have you with us. Uh, here we are in the middle of July. Hard to believe that the uh, summer has progressed so quickly. But uh, anyway, uh, it is our monthly edition of Ask a, Ward, a Game Warden. And uh, Warden Kara Campke is joining me here uh, tonight. And uh, just a reminder, you can't uh, call in with any questions, but you can keep the emails coming to livingtheoutdoorswi at gmail.com. And you can follow me on Instagram as well. It's Outdoors Living The. And I try to keep things posted up there as often as I can. But we're kind of in that period right now where we still have a lot of things going on and we have a lot of things coming up in the weeks to come. But we're going to kind of refresh on some things and, and talk about uh, some, some things that are extremely uh, important as we get out and enjoy the outdoors. So uh, I'll go ahead and welcome in Kara. And Kara, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Yeah, you hanging in there? Yes, yeah. It's <laughs> been a, a busy summer with vacations and getting a little outdoor time myself and then work. So it's been it's been good. It has to be interesting from from for your perspective to be, you know, um going through this this current situation and things changing so dramatically. And you know, your job is that of, you know, public contact and things of that nature. I know we've kind of touched based on it before, but it does have to issue some challenges for you, uh, for you wardens as well. Yeah, we've really adapted to, um, you know, not going to our offices. Pretty much all of the DNR offices are closed. So whenever we need to do paperwork, we're pretty much conducting that all from home or from our truck. We're pretty used to doing that. Um, I've also, I mean, we do have printers in our trucks, which we can use, but they're not always as reliable. You know, the ink runs out, this, that, and the other thing. So, but even with this COVID stuff and, um, you know, us being really discouraged from going to the office, I've tried to make it, um, if I can, you know, issue a citation right in the field and print it from my truck doing that. So just little things, obviously we are required to wear a mask whenever we encounter the public. So um, it's been a little bit more important for me to very clearly announce who I am, even if, you know, people that I'm pretty used to checking probably know who I am with the mask on, just like to make it a little bit more clear, you know, that I'm law enforcement um, or who who they're talking to. Um, so just a few things like that, keeping our distance um, when we run a license. Um, we're not really touching people's licenses or I try to avoid that. I just look up their name and date of birth in my phone to verify that they have one. Um, so small adjustments and tweaks, but we're still out there doing our job. Um, you know, if we don't need to come right up to a boat to check one and we can stay six feet off and, you know, run people's names through our phone for licenses and have people hold up the safety equipment that we normally check for. Um, that's, that's all we need to do really. So we don't necessarily have to get right up close to people to do our job. Um, unless of course, you know, things are going sideways, but the vast mm -hmm. majority of the time, that's not what's happening. You know, I think all of us have, uh, you know, done a pretty good job of adapting to things, you know, in, in an ever changing world, you know, uh, wearing masks, I think was a, a little bit of a, you know, you think about it and we've, we've seen it on TV for years now where people in other countries wear masks, like it's no big deal. And you're like, ah, right. I know that's never going to happen here, but you know, I, we wear one whenever we go in, in public places and, and, uh, um, it, it's not that bad, you know, right. it, it, at first it takes a little bit to get used to, but mm -hmm. I think it's more acceptable now than it probably was initially. And I think a lot of people are, are, uh, um, you know, taking, taking hold of that. And it's just one of those things that you have to deal with in, in, in the world upon which we live in. But, 
Um, you know, as we as we move on, you know, uh, with tonight's show, you know, obviously we're in summer. There's a lot of uh, um, a lot of uh, abundance of wildlife and baby birds and baby rabbits and all kinds of stuff. I think it's important, Kara, that we talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, what people can can have and what they should leave alone. And and I know you and I have talked about it in the past. We used to catch turtles when we were kids and and keep them in a swimming pool and stuff like that. Let's let's talk to let the listeners know a little bit about what what should you be doing and what kind of animals uh, um, you need to stay away from. Yeah, so uh, I'll just start with a little bit of a funny story. I guess maybe for me, I personally think of springtime as the baby bunny time, nuisance mm-hmm. wildlife time. We get a lot more complaints in the spring. Things are starting to move around more, interacting with the public, being seen more. Um, babies are being born. And so I generally think of that as more of like a spring topic. But um, this, like I mentioned, I've been going on a few vacations and I had been gone for about a week and you come back to, you know, just a a forest of a lawn. Um, My husband was mowing the lawn and came across a bunny's nest right in the middle of our yard. Well, we've got a fenced in yard and a large dog. Uh, She's a boxer mix. And Uh, So bunnies generally try to avoid our yard, but here we are Mm -hmm. now with a bunny's nest in the middle (laughs) of our yard because the grass had gotten so long. And so it's been entertaining, you know, um, normally we don't get to see that stuff. Our grass is a little shorter. Our dog keeps the bunnies out of the yard, but we were gone for so long that now we were dealing with this. And it reminded me, you know, that people are having these encounters throughout the summer, especially with rabbits who have multiple um, nests a year. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was kind of cool that my son who's going to be five soon got to see the baby bunnies and learn about them and not so fun for us that we had to like put a bucket over the nest while my dog was outside and you know try to manage that interaction um but even still you know now that they're uh the bunnies have they can move out of the nest now um and my dog may have you know done what dogs do and caught one um so having to deal with that situation at home um my husband had called me like, uh, what do I do? <laughs> um, so I brought up the topic, you know, I think it's a good time to remind people what, what do you do if you find, you know, a sick or injured or orphaned baby animals? And um, so let's, I guess, just use those bunnies for an example. If you find a nest or something like that, and um, the bunnies are in there, but you don't see mom around, just, just leave the nest as is. Um, mom's generally not going to come towards the nest or anywhere near it if people are out or if animals are out. So um, try to avoid the area, stay away from it, um, and just kind of leave it alone. Um, view it from a far distance. Um, and especially when they're real little, like I mentioned, mom's going to kind of try to avoid the area. She doesn't want to lure predators to there. Um, so it's generally okay. If you find a nest, just leave it be and mom will come back. <clears throat> now, if you do find an injured one or Um, your dog happens to injure one, um, that, you know, maybe a different story for us, the bunny was still able to like hop away, um, and be fine. It had played dead for a little bit, um, until we actually started to approach it. And then it, Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm going to run away now. So uh, it was a happy ending to our story. Um, just played dead for a little bit, but, um, if you truly do find an injured one or one that you don't think, um, you know, you can clearly tell it's bleeding or it's got something broken. Um, in that case, if you do want to call one of our licensed rehabilitators, um, they would be able to help you with that situation. Um, you can go to our DNR website and just type in wildlife rehabilitation and be able to find a list of the local wildlife rehabilitators. Unfortunately, you know, they really don't get any compensation from us. It's all something that they do kind of out of the good of their heart. So we don't have a ton of them. Um, Mm -hmm. But we do have a list of them online and the list, the directory will show or tell you what they'll take, um, you know, and you're just going to have to call them before you take them there is, I guess, our biggest thing. Because sometimes, especially this time of year, they're getting really full. Their facilities can only have so many animals. Um, So if that's the case, you can't find a facility to take it to. Unfortunately, nature is what nature is. And we just have to let nature take its course sometimes. Um, And honestly, what I found is that Um, Generally speaking, um, nature has a way of just working things out, Um, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to deer. We often get, you know, complaints about deer that maybe only have uh, an injured leg that got hit by a car or they're like 
the slow. They're not really moving. They're hunkered down. They've been there for a while. Um, I often tell people, you know, like give the deer a little time. We can't rehabilitate adult deer. Um, and even this time of year, the fawns are getting pretty big. Um, so it's generally, we're getting closer to the time when we start releasing fawns. Um, so fawns this time of year, we may not even be able to rehabilitate because if we can't catch them, we can't help them. Um, right. but with deer, if they get hit by a car, uh, they can live with three legs, just like you see a three-legged dog. Um, once that injury heals, um, and they've got time to just kind of recuperate their bruised muscles, you know, get a little healing time, those deer are going to be just fine. So, um, really just kind of let nature take its course. We discourage feeding of any kind. Um, you know, maybe some water at the most, but really they don't need to be fed. They just need a little bit of time. If you think the situation's worse than that, feel free to give the wildlife biologist a call. If you can't reach them, you know, a conservation warden uh, may be able to talk you through some of that stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, there's there are a lot of interactions um, now with, with wildlife. And, and it's really ca- kind of strange because I've got birds pulling all kinds of stuff out of our planters to build nests. We found an egg. Mm-hmm. on the uh, on the deck i mean so animals are still out there busy there's young rag there's baby raccoons there's i mean just a few weeks ago we had uh you know the turtle parade where the turtles are oh, just yeah. about everywhere mm-hmm. and um you know it's uh it, there's still a lot of stuff out there you just need to be you know be conscious of that and um yeah i'm never a big proponent of p- picking up young baby animals because usually mom's not far away right you know exactly. she just you know, and, uh, and with rabbits, everybody thinks, you know, you feel bad for them because they're nice and cute and you want to make sure that they survive. And, um, and you're exactly right. The, the moms don't hang around the babies because it just draws attention to where they're located. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, everybody's got a big heart when it comes to young, cute little animals, but, uh, um, you gotta be really cautious of that as well. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, obviously I don't know if this is much of an issue now as it was when I was growing up, because we didn't have video games. We didn't have uh, cell phones. We didn't have any of that. We had uh, small landing nets and fishing poles and stuff like that. Um, You know, catching frogs, turtles, crayfish. Let's talk a little bit about there. Because, you know, I mean, I still see kids out there, you know, trying to go out and catch turtles and and things of that nature. What what are the legalities involved with that type of stuff, Karen? Obviously, um, you know, with that, if you're moving them from one body of water and doing something else with them, that could have an impact as well. Right. So, you know, I too was a kid who did that sort of stuff. And, um, I guess I'll explain the law and kind of the reason behind the law first. Mm -hmm. So, excuse me. Um, so we, uh, turtles do have a specific season and right now that season is open. So it opens July 15th through November 30th. So right now you can take turtles. Um, generally, we uh, it's illegal to take turtles during the close season. So that would be prior to July 15th. Um, your daily limit for turtles is five. Um, and there's one species blanding turtle that you're not allowed to take at all. Most of the time, there's no size limit on them. Um, but that exception would be for snapping turtles. So snapping turtles um, do have to be essentially between 12 and 16 inches for their shell. If you measure across the top of their shell, it has to be between 12 and 16 inches. Um, But otherwise there's no size limits for other turtles. Same with frogs. Um, As far as frogs go, you do have to essentially have a license, but if you're a kid under 16, you don't need one. Um, And that season does run May 1st, so that is open. Um, And five frogs can be taken without a license. Um, But essentially what it, what we don't want to see happening is those, like you had kind of mentioned, especially when it comes to crayfish, um, taking of things from one water body and transporting them to another water body. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how invasive species get spread. And although, you know, kids are catching things just for fun, if you're just catching things to catch things and you're putting them right back, you're observing them for a little bit and then putting them back, I'm right in that water body you caught them from. That's awesome. That's great. Kids are learning. I love that. Um, but if you're going to, you know, take them home, um, be sure to kind of follow those rules. I know I did it. Um, but what generally happens is somebody's going to catch a turtle, decide they want to take it home, keep it alive in their fish tank. It's going to get too big for their fish tank. They're going to want to release it. 
Um, well, if you release it into a different water body or back into a water body, you may be releasing or introducing maybe a, a disease or something you're unaware of that that water body didn't have. So we really discourage that from happening. Um, in general, you know, anything you kind of take away from the water body is supposed to be dead. You're not supposed to take things away from the water body alive. Um, so just kind of keep those things in mind. But it is a great, um, there are regulations in our fishing regulation booklet. So if you pick up the fishing regulation booklet, you can read all about, you know, the turtle regulation, the frog regulation, and the crayfish regulations um, in those booklets. Crayfish in particular, you got to be careful on. Um, because we do have several species of invasive crayfish. You know, when you when you talk about invasive species, is there anything that that the you know from a biological standpoint that the DNR is interested in people? You know, whether it be gobies or uh, I know there's a crayfish species or lampreys and things of that nature. Is there anything that the DNR is interested in from a testing standpoint that people should be aware of if they come across this? Somebody might want to take a look at it. In general, um, we probably know of, you know, if there's a large population of these on a water body, we're probably already aware of that. Um, but if um, you do want to find that out, you could you can go to our website. Um, and I know that you can um, kind of research aquatic invasive species. Um, you can also uh, see kind of where what water bodies have been affected um and go from there so do a little research online otherwise you can look up one of our aquatic invasive species coordinators and give them a call if it's really something you're like i've never seen these before um here um just give one of our aquatic invasive species um, coordinators a call and they can definitely help you out with that yeah i i i see that a lot of people are like well to take a look at the picture of this thing i'm like oh yeah okay i know what that is and it's things that they've never seen before you know, and I'm sure with the insurgence of of new people getting out into the outdoors, they're exposed to things that they've never seen in a book or never seen the neighbor bring home or something like that. So um, I guess that's a good thing that people get exposed to things and get to see what this big world is uh, out there and, and all the all the really cool things that are there. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think where we want to kind of educate most people on is everybody's got, you know, family. I'm guessing the majority of people that listen to your show are probably, you know, outdoor enthusiasts. Um, but I'm sure we all have family that aren't outdoor enthusiasts. So, and it's likely that they maybe have a fish tank at home. Um, well, just as a reminder, you know, uh, people should never be dumping fish tanks into our native water bodies or cleaning uh, fish tanks out. Um, even if they contained bluegills or perch or maybe some native fish, um, mm -hmm. we still shouldn't be dumping that, even the water back into our native water bodies. Um, so it's something that we as outdoor enthusiasts can always uh, be mindful of and talk to our, you know, maybe not so outdoor minded um, family, friends, um, just to keep our water bodies clean. Yeah, or it's clean exactly good. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why we do this show us. Hopefully there's people out there that can can gain some information and some knowledge and and a better understanding of uh, the great uh, world in the outdoors. But um, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, we'll have more of Fleet Farms Living the Outdoors show here on The Score. This is Pat Reeve from Driven TV. You're listening to Living the Outdoors with Mark Druick here on The Score. All right, welcome back to Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on the Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Thanks for tuning us in tonight. It is our monthly edition of Ask a Game Warden, and uh, we have Warden Kara Campy with us tonight. And a uh, reminder: this is being done remotely, so you can't give us a call and ask any questions. But you can keep the questions coming to Living the Outdoors WI at gmail.com, and I will do my best to respond and get you an answer or an opportunity for you to get involved in the outdoors. So, Kara, we kind of left off just touching base on uh, invasive species, and I think I just want to elaborate on that just a little bit, if I could, with all the people and the boating that's going on today. And I think there's a lot of, um, I don't want to say uh, uh, uneducated boaters, but people with, maybe with a lack of experience of how to deal with things like that. So let's talk a little bit about 
you know, what you need to do with your boat. And uh, so you're not transporting any of these uh, invasive species to different waters. Yeah, so uh, it is the season for aquatic invasives. I've definitely noticed that uh, quite a few of my local landings have gotten very weedy lately. Uh, obviously, it depends on the way the wind blows on Winnebago, but um, sure. it can definitely, the, the weeds can definitely, um, are definitely there, I should say. So when it comes to aquatic invasive species, um, I would say that when you are when after you've launched your boat, you go put the trailer away. Now you're done for the day and you come back to grab your trailer. I'd make sure you get the weeds off your trailer before you even relaunch it and to pick up your boat. Just because any of those weeds that are on those really bunks in the middle of your boat are going to be really hard to get off once you put your boat up there. So make sure your trailer is weed free before you go grab your boat. Once you pull your boat, um, you load up your boat and you pull your boat off of out of the launch area. Um, you're going to want to inspect the entire boat um, for weeds. You're also going to want to lower your motor and drain your live well. It is illegal to leave the launch area or to leave the landing um, boat launch with weeds hanging off your trailer um, and without draining the water from your live well. Um, so you do have to drain all water from boats, motors, anything like that. Um, the only water that you are allowed to take away from the launch would be minnow water that did not touch the lake. So if you bought a bucket of minnows from the bait shop and that uh, bucket of minnows never touched lake water, you can keep that. Um, but if it did touch lake water, you're not allowed to use those minnows on any other lake. So make sure you go around your entire boat. Um, you look thoroughly, you bend down, you get down kind of at eye level and you look for all those weeds. Um, it's really smart to come prepared, maybe have a pole or something like that to kind of grab the weeds way underneath your trailer if you're not as limber as you used to be and you can't quite crawl underneath there. So um, bring those tools along um, because we are um, stepping up enforcement when it comes to, you know, seeing vehicles pulling, you know, down the road away from the launch area um, with those weeds on. We are stepping up our enforcement action. So people are going to want to double check their trailers. Because uh, unfortunately, you know, no tickets are cheap tickets, um, and these are just the same. Right, and you know, uh, boats is a big, uh, you know, probably the largest one of that. But you know, there's so many different watercrafts out there, Karen. Now, there's canoes, there's kayaks, uh, these paddle boards, all these things, and and sometimes weeds can get stuck in there, or they get inside the the canoe or inside the kayak. So you know, I mean, check check everything. Um, you know, as I alluded to earlier, there's people who probably don't understand that because they've never really, maybe never been in the outdoors before. Right. or have never, um, you know, jumped in a kayak, but it's something to do. Yeah. Um, you know, so with everything being closed and shut down, it's uh, it's great to see that. I, I I really like it because I'm seeing people that I know um, who you know were uh, not outdoor people, and they're like, uh, Mark, you know, it's. What are some great things that we can do with the family that can get, you know, that we would normally do going to a fair or going to a, you know, um, you know, a park and things of that nature? I go, there's so many fishing poles, canoes, canoes you can do, kayaks. Uh, right now, I'm, I probably get 10 calls a week uh, of people looking for kayaks. You know, <laughs> I mean, if you if you had a bunch of kayaks right now and you were looking to get rid of them, you could probably make some serious money. Yeah. Yes, they are in shortage right now. I, I've definitely seen that as well. People getting out on the kayaks. Um, and yeah, they do too have to clean off, you know, the bottoms of their boats, especially in these areas where we're seeing a lot of algae. You're going to just want to clean that stuff off. Make sure you don't have it on your boat or on your kayak, your canoe. Um, clean your paddles off before you leave the area. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's extremely important. And, you know, canoes and kayaks are a lot easier to move around from one body of water to another, you know, even if you're portaging, you know, right. which uh, can happen, you, you're picking that boat up from one body of water going, you know, down a dirt road or whatever, dropping it in another lake. So maybe people don't think about that aspect of it as much. One little piece of uh, foliage is, is on that canoe and it drops into another lake and can really be disastrous. Absolutely. Yeah, and since we're talking kayaks and canoes, I'm going to just use this opportunity to just please remind people that they need life jackets mm -hmm. on 
their kayaks and canoes. It's been, um, and when I say life jacket, I mean a wearable life jacket. You are required to have one wearable life jacket per person in every kayak, canoe, and paddleboard. Um, I have talked to countless people over the, since the last time we talked um, who are out on paddleboards, out on kayaks, just doing it for fun, paddling around, and they don't have life jackets on the vessel. Um, so please put your life jackets on there. You know, I've gotten to the point where if I see somebody launching, I just stop and be like, Hey, just checking. You got life jackets before mm-hmm. they even hit, put the boats on the water. Cause I just don't want to see somebody go out there and get injured. And thankfully at a lot of our big launches, um, high cliff Marina has them Jefferson park. A lot of these larger launches have life jacket loaner stations. So if you get there and you realize, Oh, I'm a life jacket short, or I need one. You can borrow a life jacket from these loaner stations and return it. We would much rather have you be safe than sorry. Um, The wind on Winnebago can pick up in a hurry Mm -hmm. um, and can really be disastrous if you're out there and you don't have a life jacket. No, agreed. And I was sitting out on my deck last night and the wind was coming out of the northwest, um, maybe five, six miles an hour. And within a flash, it came out due, due east. And it had to be 10 to 15. And it, in like you said, this lake can pick up really, really easy. And it's so shallow. It, it gets, uh, it gets rough out there. Very rough. And I don't know if people just don't think that it can happen to them. Um, even boaters, you've got a smaller boat, maybe even a large boat out on Winnebago and you don't have the proper number of life jackets and your boat dies for whatever, so your motor goes out, you run out of gas, something happens. Um, right. That's not going to be a safe situation for you to be in. So um, we've gone out, just wardens um, personally have gone out on several rescues over the past week of people's boats who have stopped working. They're out there. Um, they don't have, you know, somebody flipped over in the water. They are on their PWC. Um, so wear your life jackets, make sure you have them on you. That's one piece of equipment that's going to keep you afloat um, if you go in the water or you can't get back to shore. Right. And it doesn't do you uh, any good in a compartment underneath uh, underneath the seats. And you and I have discussed this before. Whenever I get on somebody's craft, the first question I ask them is, where are the life preservers located? And I want mine accessible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's got to be within arm's reach. Um, and uh, it's just, it's you can't overemphasize the importance of that, Kara, because everybody and i think you touched on it you said everybody says well this is never going to happen to me until it happens to you and then it's too late right yep um, uh i did the same thing this past week i was up uh my grandpa's out on lake nicomas and the first thing i did is you got enough life jackets where are the life yeah. jackets? and they're like you just can't turn the warden off and i'm like it's not the warden i just need to know this stuff it's important it, it's a life issue it, it's yep. not a it, it really is it, it's a it's a life or death situation and you know, uh, we, it's been talked about a lot over the years that, you know, you fall in the water, even in, and if it's cold, um, that shock to yourself, or you, the, your first thing you do is you're going to breathe in. Mm-hmm. Um, now you got water in your lungs. And, and at that point in time, you're kind of incapacitated in your ability to, to keep yourself above water. So um, I'm, I'm very, very particular about that thing. And I, I've seen people in, in canoes uh, without them. I saw a person, uh, uh, last weekend on a on a paddleboard without one, and it's kind of like mm, not not a good idea, you know. No, and me- I think people really don't connect paddleboards with needing life jackets because they don't think it's a boat. And while it may not um, be a boat in the traditional sense of the word, um, you're required. A boat is basically anything that you use as a, as a mode of conveyance in the water. Mm-hmm. So a paddle boat, you need life jackets in. If you are taking uh, one of those little paddle boats out or you're taking a paddle board out um, or a tube on the Wolf River, if you are using a device as a mode of conveyance on a water body, it's considered a boat and you need a life jacket on there. So, um, and really, if you think about it, I mean, it's the safe thing to do. If you now take your paddle board out to the middle of the lake, and somebody comes by and you flip in, um, it's deeper than you thought, colder than you thought, you're going to wish you had your life jacket. Um, that's an um, awfully long way to get back to shore if you, for whatever reason, can't get back on your board or something of the nature. So, Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, it, I always looked at it as any 
type of watercraft, whatever it is, if you're on the water, um, you should have, uh, you, when we were growing up um, at our cottage up north, we weren't allowed to go out on the dock until you had as the kids. Yep. So we had the old, you know, orange life jackets on. You look like a little pumpkin, but yeah. it, it was just one of those things that, you know, safety is always first. And I think sometimes people put that behind themselves. It's like, well, this looks terrible or it doesn't feel right. Well, you know, none of that's going to make any sense if, uh, um, you know, you drown and, and uh, you can't overemphasize it and, and tell people that it doesn't do you any good sitting on, you know, and nowadays, Kara, they make them so you know, they have the inflatable ones. When you hit the water, it goes off. So, and they're not intrusive. You've got the, um, the, the ones for kayaks that are a little bit higher. So you don't feel like you're all stuffed inside there. Mm -hmm. uh, there are ways spend the hundred dollars or the $125 or whatever it is for a quality one that fits you. Boy, that is a, a that is a, a very cheap way uh, to save a life. Absolutely. Yes. I 100% agree with you. And um, it's a perfect present if you're wondering, you know, people I think often start looking for Christmas presents in November, December. Um, but this is a great idea for a present uh, for an outdoor enthusiast in your life that maybe hasn't taken that leap to spend the money on themselves. Um, it's a great it's a great thing to get someone who doesn't have one. What a great gift to give somebody uh, something that would could save their life. I mean, Absolutely. no better gift. There is no better gift regardless, you know, a uh, new video game's not going to do much for you while you're floating around in some ice cold water. Right. Um, and uh, it's, it, yeah, you can't, you can't uh, talk about it enough, but um, there are some other safety aspects out there too. You know, obviously we've got, um, you know, we talked about boating and, and things of that nature. Let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, before we go ahead and take a break, uh, UTVs, you know, I've seen a lot of that too. They're talking to a guy that there's a shortage on those. Uh, people are buying those instead of taking their vacations to Florida and doing whatever they normally do. They bought a have bought a UTV and are out there using it. Let's just talk about some of the basic road rules um, that go along with using a UTV or ATV. Yeah, so um, obviously um, the first one people generally think of as a helmet, right? Um, and that is something that we encourage everybody to wear but it's only a legal requirement for people under the age 16 or younger. So um, I'm sorry, 18 or younger, um, getting fishing and ATVing mixed up. Um, so if you are under the age of 18, you're required to wear a helmet um, when you're on an ATV, either as a driver or a passenger. Um, and so that's one of the things though, that once again, just like a life jacket, um, it may not be a requirement to wear one on a boat, a helmet. You may not be required to wear one if you're an adult on an ATV or UTV, but it's the one thing that's going to save your life. Um, and same with ATV or I'm sorry, UTV is um, wearing your seatbelt is a requirement. All uh, the operator and passengers are required to wear their seatbelts, one in an UTV. And honestly, that I don't know if that's bigger than a helmet or not, but I can tell you that um out of all the UTV fatal accidents we've seen, the bulk of them, the very, very vast majority of them are fatal accidents because they were crushed by the roll bar. So mm. had they stayed in their seat um, with, because of their seatbelt, it in all likelihood would not have been a fatal accident. So um, it's one of those things, once again, that you, know, you don't think about or maybe they're uncomfortable to wear. Um, uh, seriously, that seatbelt is going to save your life because those roll bars, if you flip your UTV, um, you know, we've seen too many accidents where roll bars are crushing the occupants because the occupants are ejected from the UTV. Sure. And there have been some changes uh, with ATVs too. Uh, maybe we should just touch base on that quickly. Um, you know, with a lot of people riding on the back of them, I, I believe there's been a change in regards to that as well. Yeah, so that's the biggest change we've seen lately, and that is that it is now illegal to operate your UTV or ATV with passengers if your UTV or ATV was not designed or intended to have passengers. So um, if your ATV was not manufactured for passengers, you shouldn't have passengers on there. That's now illegal. Um, and obviously, I think the intent of the law was to um, give us something to issue people a citation if we see people riding on the front or back racks or somewhere that's really unsafe. Um, but 
the law is just pretty blanket in the fact that, you know, if, if you can't operate an ATV or UTV with a passenger, if that passenger, if that machine wasn't meant for passengers and they weren't seated somewhere that's meant for passengers. So yeah, it's, it's a big change. Um, but it's changed to keep people safe. Right. And when you talk about the not designed for passengers, there's a lot of them that these aftermarket um, seats that can be attached to the racks, does that qualify or is that now um, illegal as well? So the guidance that we've been given is that those do not qualify, um, but the language is a little unique. So um, once again, I guess I just want to emphasize that as wardens, we have discretion. And mm -hmm. the intent of the law was, you know, to keep people from riding unsafely. And that back seat kind of, although it does change the weight of the mach machine, it changes where the weight has been distributed. Um, you know, that is what that's kind of intended for. Um, whereas where we're seeing a lot of misuse is people on the back racks and the front racks. So I think the, the law, the direction we've been given is that it's what the manufacturer of the machine. Um, so that would disqualify those back seats, which I believe is, I, I've received that guidance since the last time we've talked. So the last podcast, I think, um, you know, I've maybe said something similar in the fact that, you know, we do have discretion, wardens do, and our intent is to keep people safe. So if we sit right. on safe riding, that's what we're going to use this citation for. Perfect. All right. Well, listen, we're going to go ahead and take another break. When we come back, we'll have more of Fleet Farms Living the Outdoors. Hi, this is Sabrina Lukoski, and you're listening to Living the Outdoors with Mark Druick here on AM 1570, 95.3 in the score. Welcome back to Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Thank you for tuning us in tonight. It is our monthly edition of Ask a Game Warden. And Warden Kara Kampke is joining me here uh, tonight. And we've been talking a lot about safety on boats and ATVs, UTVs, canoes, kayaks. Again, I can't express enough how important that is. Um, you don't want to be ruining a vacation or an enjoyable time with your family by having uh, an accident. But, you know, Kara, we don't want to get too much into things as we move into fall, but um, I understand that there's some, uh, uh, some, some things that have been solidified with the upcoming gear, gun deer season. Yeah, so the Natural Resources Board just met. Um, they met in June, and they made or took action on quite a few items, but I think the one that probably is going to um, impact our listeners the most is they looked at the deer season um, framework. Um, and so they approved that and made a few adjustments from last year. So thankfully, it's not a ton of adjustments. Um, but once again, just a reminder for people that the county deer advisory councils are um, or CDACs are really the people that put these proposals together and then they go up to the Natural Resources Board for approval. So um, what we see as changes this upcoming year is that we will have one buck only county and that's going to be Forest County. So um, that is a change from last year where we had no buck only units, but Forest County this year will be a buck only unit. And also um, the holiday hunts and extended archery seasons, um, those are pretty much the same as last year, um, except for Grant County and Marquette County are also going to have holiday hunts this year. So I do not believe they had holiday hunts last year, but they will have them this upcoming year. Otherwise, there's really not a ton of changes for the deer season. Um, and we do not have any counties that opted for that antlerless only option. Um, so that's good. Everybody um, is pretty much going to get their um, buck tags, one for archery, one for gun, and their antlerless tags. And those, um, how many tags each uh, county is going to be issued um, was also agreed upon. Um, I didn't see any um, huge changes kind of from seasons past. I generally just follow Outagamie County, and that's one tag um, once mm -hmm. again here in Outagamie County. And uh, no, no changes 
um, in the baiting rules or anything of that nature, that's pretty much all stayed pretty solid. Yeah, um, baiting rules though don't change necessarily through the Natural Resources Board. So the framework from those rules um, was solidified. Um, but if a county, if we get a positive like a CWD case, that all changes um, as, as it happens essentially. So okay. for the most current baiting laws, you can always go to our DNR website and just search um, the topic bait. Um, and it'll pull up our baiting and feeding map. It looks like our the latest changes or the last changes happened February of this year. Um, so uh, baiting and feeding is pretty, pretty much prohibited, I would say, in the vast majority of Wisconsin and the counties in Wisconsin. Um, up okay. here in the Northeast Peninsula, we do have um, a group where we're still allowed to bait and feed. So Outagamie, Winnebago, Calumet, Brown, Manitowoc, Kiwani, and Door. In those um, seven counties, you are allowed to bait and feed, but pretty much any county um, that around us that I did not mention, uh, baiting and feeding is prohibited. So from Violence County um, south to Dane Green County, um, and then Marinette County to Marathon County, um, that's all prohibited. And then we have another group of counties to the west surrounding that Buffalo up to Washburn County area that it's also prohibited. So once again, if you hunt and you're not sure if it, uh, you hunt out of our region and you're not sure if baiting or feeding is prohibited in that area, um, just go to our DNR website, dnr.wi.gov and search the word bait. And we'll, we'll be talking about that a little bit more in detail as we get closer, um, you know, to the seasons discussing, you know, there, there's, there's always things that people need to be reminded of on a regular basis. Um, you know, that maybe they've forgotten or I, I, I don't know what you think, Carol, but I, I just, I've been talking with this, the guys a lot in the shop is, you know, that the, the prices of beef have gone up. Obviously a lot of people are, um, buying, you know, guns and, and, uh, a little bit more it, ammunition, hunting ammunition has become increasingly difficult to find. I, I'm expecting, and I could be wrong, but I, I'm, I'm going to think there's going to be a lot more, um, people. Uh, getting out and, and trying to do the uh, the gun deer thing. Yeah, I would suspect the same. Um, I would also, you know, just encourage those people that are maybe thinking about it for those reasons um, to start getting prepared now. Um, you know, make sure, um, you know, that you have the ammo you need. You're getting figuring out where you're going to go. And also, um, next month, we'll probably talk about antlerless tags. Mm -hmm. Antlerless or bonus antlerless tags go on sale. I think it's mid-August. Um, so you're going to want to figure out what area you want to hunt, what zone that is, or I'm sorry, what county that is, um, and when those tags go on sale. And then um, purchase those tags um, as soon as they become available. And the reason being is that it looks like, I think I was mistaken when I said there was no changes for Outagamie County. Mm -hmm. I think last year we had two antlerless tags. I would have to double check. And this year we're only going to have one antlerless tag. Um, so people that are looking to hunt for meat or put some venison in the freezer to stock up, um, because beef prices are so high, you're definitely going to, in all likelihood, want a bonus tag. Um, so make sure you know when those tags go on sale. Um, it looks like uh, they're going to begin August 17th um, through August 20th. All zones go on sale. So figure out where you want to hunt, which zone you're going to be hunting in, if you're going to want bonus tags, um, if you're going to hunt public or private land, because that'll be a question they ask you when you go to grab your bonus tags. And I would, um, I generally encourage people that if you, um, are going to hunt both public and private, um, that when you buy your license, you elect for a public tag. And when you go to purchase a bonus tag, you elect for a private land tag, just because there's generally less um, bonus public land tags available than there are bonus private land tags available. Um, so your tag that you get with your license is always free and that, you know, we don't set a number to those. Um, so depending on where you hunt, if you want to hunt public and private, you may want to consider getting your tags that you get with your licenses as public tags and your other ones that you buy extra as private tags. So, so those, those tags are, um, if you bought a, 
uh, sportsman's license or a patron's license. Uh, can you get your um, doe tags now? I'm not sure the exact date you'll be able to get your tags. Um, oh, yeah, it looks like beginning July 1. July 1, um, okay, I so, thought maybe. Yeah, so yep, it should, you should be able to, if you had purchased a patron's license in March or early April, um, you did not get your antlerless tags, so you're going to want to go in and select those. Um, go online to your Go Wild account, go into a, a vendor, um, but you may be char charged a printing fee if you go to a vendor. So you can do that online if you wish to um, select your bonus or select your um, assigned tags uh, with your patrons or sports license. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of people ask and I'm like, yeah, I, yeah the, the decision's been made. You should be able to get access to those. And um, But I just think that it's going to I guess if there was ever a time for people to get out and and uh, you know try deer hunting, this would be a a great opportunity. There's plenty of deer out there. There's plenty of opportunity. There's plenty of public land um, to go out and hunt. But I, I agree with you 100%. If you are if you're out there listening and you're thinking about doing it, and you know get out there and you know talk to the landowners, talk to you know get some maps, start taking a look at where you where you want to hunt. Um, gaining some information, talk to some people. Um, I think it's just a disadvantage uh, to walk out there and not know, you just walk out in the woods and expect to shoot a deer. Now, can that happen? Absolutely. But um, there's a lot of things that go along with that. There's a lot of people out in the woods and there's just too many things that can happen if you're not aware uh, of what's going on out there. And and I just, I have a feeling uh, just due to, you know, the current situation that people will be out there and 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 that could be a good thing, you know, mm -hmm. it could get more people out there involved in the sport. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of those things, once again, that, you know, if, if you're a sportsman, you're listening and you know um, where you're going to hunt or, but you got family that you think might be interested. They got a little bit more time on their hands because they're working from home or only working partial days. Um, mm -hmm. Get them out there scouting with you, get them interested. Um, and yeah, for those people that are maybe thinking about getting into the sport when they never have before, you're definitely going to want to figure out where you want to hunt beforehand. Um, you know, just driving to the nearest wildlife area and setting up shop opening day. Ooh, you know, uh, <laughs> trouble. <laughs> yeah, I guess I wouldn't advise that strategy. No. Um, so you're going to want to scout the lands and know, especially if you live in these urban areas, uh, Appleton, for example, uh, you might have to drive a little bit um, to go find some public uh, public hunting land. Um, I think we've got some decent land within an hour's drive, but, oh, sure. um, you're, you're probably not going to find it within a 20 minute drive. So you're, you might have to drive a little bit further. Um, so just plan that ahead of time, do that scouting and start now. Yeah. Do your homework. All right. Well, listen, we're going to go ahead and take our last break. When we come back, we're going to wrap it up here on Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show on the score. Hey, this is John Gillespie with Woods and Waters TV. You're listening to Living the Outdoors with Mark Druick here on The Score. Welcome back to Fleet Farms, Living the Outdoors show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Thanks for taking the time to join us here tonight. It's always great to have you with us. And again, remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can email me at livingtheoutdoorswi at gmail.com. And you can also uh, follow me on Instagram. I post a lot of stuff up there as well, posting a lot of old photos up there on my Throwback Thursday. So make sure you check that out. It's Outdoors Living The. So uh, we're going to kind of wrap up our monthly edition of uh, Ask a Game Warden and uh, Warden Kara Kampke has been joining me here. And uh, Kara, it's been kind of a... a a crazy thing for you getting new wardens uh lined up and and uh trying to keep everything going uh the life of a warden is uh, quite busy yeah yeah so we yeah. have been staying busy um but it's been good and um it's just another day you know prepping for the future warden force and um it's been a really great opportunity for me um and i guess in closing of the show i'll just you know kind of remind people that as wardens you know we're here for you guys so if you do come across anything, if you do have any questions, you need our help, or you just can't find the answer for something, you've always been wondering about this one thing, you know, mm -hmm. feel free to reach out to us and give us a call. You know, you can try our customer service number, um, see if they can help you out. But if you think it's something particular, reach out to your local warden, look them up in our directory, um, give me a call, 
we'd be happy to help answer those questions. It's always fun when it's, so the guy said this, and I think this, you know, what's the answer? You need to help us settle our debate. Those are always real good ones to get involved in. <laughs> do our best to help you out. Right. Yeah. It's uh, don't listen to what your buddy says. Uh, Mike always had a phrase that I, I always got a kick out. He goes, well, you know, I'd be talking to these guys and well, my buddy told me this and he'd say, well, you know what? Your buddy's an idiot. Don't pay attention <laughs> to him. Read, read the regulations. And, and, you know, it's the responsibility of the individuals utilizing the resources to be aware of what legalities and, and what's all involved there. And don't put yourself in a position uh, to get, you know, a citation. Plus, you know, you guys, your job is to preserve this and, and help people understand what it takes so that generations to come can, can enjoy the same things that, that we have. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, well, it's, this is always like the fastest hour on, on radio. It goes by really quickly. And, uh, you know, thanks again for taking the time care. It's always great to sit and chat with you. It seems like we're doing this and um, it's every, every week, but you know, there's always a, a thing going on uh, in between, but you know, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up here in the, in the months to come and hunting season, probably one of the most active times of the year for people to get out and enjoy the outdoors. But uh, thanks again for taking the time to join us here. I sure do appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I will look forward to next month. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Thanks again for taking the time to tune us in here on Living the Outdoors. I'm your host, Mark Druick. And if you have given the opportunity to uh, expose somebody to the outdoors, take advantage of it. Uh, it will make you a better person. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Have a great evening and live life in the outdoors. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.